97.3 Mystery Hour with James O'Brien. It's three minutes after 12 and Mystery Hour is upon us. I will, however, take a moment before we begin to solve a mystery that many of you may have been made aware of regarding my own position. Kidderminster Harriers Football Club have been found to be selling the most expensive pies in Britain, something that has, well, constituted something of a scandal. I I would like to explain, I would like to solve this mystery for you. The cottage pie on sale at Agborough, the Kidderminster Harriers, does indeed cost £4, but it weighs £1.08 ounces. It's 700 grams worth of meat, vegetables and potatoes. So it's completely unfair of this survey to compare the Kidderminster Harriers cottage pie to the little poxy bits of pastry wrapped around offal that you get in other clubs around the country. So don't believe the hype when it comes to the Harriers. And if you are ever lucky enough to be there, uh, try the Agbara soup. That's legendary. I'm glad we've cleared that up. I've also got another treat for you. A very nice listener called Chris has written a song about Mystery Hour. If you're ever so good, I'll play it to you later. But let's kick off. Um, do I need to explain how this works, or should we just do it and you work it out as we go along if you've never heard it before? I think we should just... Should we just crack on? Yeah, why not? Peter's in Orpington. Peter, question or answer? It's a question, please, James. I thought it might be. Go on. <laughs> right, pub names that end with arms, such as the Fisherman's Arms and the Blacksmith's Arms. What is the meaning of arms? Because it's not as in almshouses or coats of arms, it doesn't appear. Mm. What's the meaning? I think it's because pub signs predated widespread literacy. So the pictogram on a pub sign would be how people actually identified it. That doesn't really answer your question, does it? No. Because you could just have a picture of the fisherman. You could do. Fisherman's arms. Are you sure there are pubs like that? Well, they are called things like the fisherman's arms. Yes, I uh, went past one quite recently. I stopped in traffic looking at it, thinking... Yeah, I like that. Arms. I like pubs, I like words, and I like arms. It's the perfect question, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get him an answer to that. Well, yeah, I quite like that. Good work. And that gives you an idea if you are new. Anything goes. The only rules uh, we have, you're not allowed... Your question won't get on the board if it's dull or if we've dealt with it recently. Oh eight four five six zero six zero nine seven three is the number to call. But from now on, you'll only hear me say that number if there is a phone line free. And the best way of... Uh, jumping the gun, if you like, is as soon as I say goodbye to someone like Peter, it will mean there's at least one phone line freed up. Mark's in Marble Arch. Mark, question or answer? A question, James. Come on, Mark. Good afternoon to you. Hello. Yes, if you need a blood transfusion due to severe, you know, hemorrhaging, accident, whatever, how do they know when the body's full up? Full up of blood. How much do they put, how do they know how much blood to put in? Yeah. You're on. Yeah, okay. There's no point me trying to answer that, is there? No. (laughs) No, just checking. Russell's in Shepherd's Bush. Russell, Russell, question or answer? Question, James. Yes, go on. Um, Sharks' tails are vertical in the water. A dolphin's tail is horizontal. Yeah. Which out of the two, if any, is more efficient? So basically, if a shark and a dolphin are the same size and might add a race, who'd win? It's a it's a wiggle versus a waggle. Well, one one yeah, sort of yeah. goes uh, well, like you said, one goes side to side, the other goes up and down. Which is That's more it, yeah. which is more effective? Which is better? Yeah. I, I, yes. I, is it going to be possible to work that out? Do you think? I don't know. Nor do I. That's why I'm asking. Yeah. Fair. Well, sharks don't jump out of the water like dolphins do. No, they don't. But then you've got 
um, whale shark is obviously a mammal, but that's got the vertical tail. Has it? But most other mammals have got the horizontal one. Well, and most but other fish have the... Well, I'm not sure on fish. I don't know how many have got one, how many have got the other. Vertical. I, I detect from your accent a certain Midlands heritage there, Russell. Yeah, Birmingham originally. Oh, right. so have you seen this story about Kidderminster Harriers? No, I haven't. Most expensive pies in the whole of the land at the Kidderminster but, Harriers football stadium. I can't believe it. They taste good, though. They, yeah, they're the best pies I've ever eaten, man, but that's not how it's being reported by the BBC. They're claiming it's some sort of scandal. No, it's all about quality. Thank you, Russell, you see. A voice of reason from the Midlands. We'll try and get you an answer to your question. Tim's in Marlow. Tim, question or answer? Uh, it's a question, actually. Come it's on. one that's been bothering me for years, and I've never found a, a, one of those answers, and it drives me potty. And it's this. Um, I want to go and see the new Skyfall movie, mm. as do probably most people. Movie posters, um, and on DVD boxes, anything like that. But when they talk about the credits of the uh, director and the people in the film, they write it in a very tall, squashed-up type of writing. How Why? can it be tall and squ- oh, squashed together? Yeah, it's very tall and slim. Yeah. So, you know, it's a bit like Star Wars. You have to sort of tilt it forwards so you can try and read it. But yes. It is virtually unreadable. Why do they do that? Is it historical? Is there Blimey. a specific reason? Is it contractual? Can somebody just tell me why they do it and not print it like the rest of the DVD case and the rest of the poster in a standard font? I like that question, but I don't know. I mean, you have to presume there is an answer. I'm trying to work out who might know it. You'd have to be involved in movie poster production. Even film directors themselves may not know the answer to that question. Well, I, c- I can only think of one thing. Isn't that that's widescreen? You know, when movies are widescreen, televisions are not. They were sort of square yeah. until very recently. So that when you stretch it out, it probably looks a bit more normal. But, you know, there's no wide on the rest of the... Ah, so it could have been a billboard that got reduced yeah. to the small site but then it no could, but then yeah, the rest of the why the, is the rest the, of the text not as wide i, I hear you so, i like it tim so yeah, yeah. I, I may struggle to re-ask that question uh, to get the words right but i'll do my best so what have we got what's the meaning of arms in pubs names not like a coat of arms but the fisherman's arms or the carpenter's arms or the blacksmith's arms why, why are they called arms how do you know when you're full of blood if you're having a blood transfusion uh if uh if a shark's tail goes from side to side and a dolphin's tail goes up and down, what's actually better? And on the movie credits, why is the director and some of the credits are in that weird, elongated, squashed-together script? Yeah, OK, that's a start. Uh, Omar is in Lewisham. Question or answer, Omar? Uh, answer Good. about the, the blood. Yes. Um, well, well it's basically, I think it's, it's um, based upon what, what they come in with. So if they come with a fracture, there's an estimate based on, um, say, fractured pelvis or how much blood you would expect to lose. And so that's how much blood they'd put in. But also, in terms of ongoing, knowing how much, how full you are, um, you know, that's a function of your, your blood levels and your, 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 your volume. And that's measured through blood pressure and also urine output. So if you're not peeing enough over the course of a certain number of time, uh, a certain know. number of minutes, yes. you don't have enough blood or water around in the system, so you need to give them more. Um, but but what, what I mean, what would constitute the, 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 I'm looking for the sort of moment of realisation, so here I am, and I appreciate you all have only put, but it, you're not going to put all the blood you've put on my drip into me, there's going to be a point when I'm full, how would you know I was oh, full? No, but you put it in very quickly, you can put, you can just really squeeze the bags and it goes in very rapidly in a very large bore, uh, line. Um, you know, into your into into your your groin area, femoral uh, artery, or, or um, then again, it's still the question stands: How will I know that I'm full? I can't wait a few minutes to see how many wee wees I do. No, no, you wouldn't. You'd be catheterised. Um, that's how we'd, we'd know, and that's very quick. Um, but but it'd be on the, you know, it depends how unwell you are. I mean, if you are dehydrated, I mean, but generally you need about nine litres running around in you. Um, and if you if you feel what, and, okay, so what if what if I needed nine litres and you were giving me ten? What would happen? 
Yeah, well, you just pee it all out. You'd, well, you'd blood. Pee, you'd pee it quick. No, but you pee water. Blood, blood is blood is based up. I mean, the only reason it's red is because the blood cells. So if I'm if I've got too much in me, then I start squeezing liquid through my bladder. Yeah, essentially. I mean, your kidney is a big filter. If there's a lot of water going around, it'll filter it out quite quickly. It's a very efficient filter. Right. You know, millions of little uh, filters, uh, uh, nephrons going going through, uh, going through, which which really regulate how much you need, how much water you need. And it feeds back to your brain, so you're more thirsty, you're not thirsty enough, yes, etc., um, etc. Et oh, I see. Um, oh, okay. So, so if you're uh... catheterized, it's a really quick way. We will, of course, so as soon as the catheter starts, as soon as the catheter starts work kicking, that means the blood has done its work. Uh, yeah, blood or plasma or, or, or plasma fluids, etc. Et et yeah. Okay, qualifications. I think I know. <laughs> well, I'm a psychiatrist now, but uh, yes, I have worked in any. You're a psychiatrist now, but obviously you've done your full medical training. Yes, yeah, so I don't do that generally. Why did you say that so modestly and shyly, Omar? <laughs> you just went. Oh, I was, I was a psychiatrist. <laughs> 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 what? Examine between clinic, and I probably um, and, and I heard you in between me going from one place to the next. So uh, I thought I'd answer it quickly. But <laughs> <laughs> Good man, and they earned you this. In fact, I think. In honour of your uh, of your between clinic call to Mystery Hour, you can be the first person to hear the new Mystery Hour theme tune, Omar. This is part of your prize. Thank you. And my thanks to listener Chris Often for putting that together. Chris, we salute you, mate. We probably won't play it over much because it it limits the amount of calls we can take. But that is quality, isn't it? It's the most professional thing that's gone out on this programme in the best part of half a decade. And uh, and Omar gets the first round of applause as well. It's brilliant. Uh, David's in gold is green. David, what would you like to say? Oh, good afternoon, James. Just a question. Go on. Um, golf terminology. Yes. Um, where does it come from? You know, eagle, birdie, bogey, etc. What's the relevance? Oh, you where should, does that come you should from? know this, shouldn't you? I don't know that. No, I, I don't know it either. I can't believe we've not done that before. I, I sense you have it. Have you checked the Mystery Hour archive at lbc.co.uk? Yeah, no one, no one really was there. Really? Yeah. Well, you live and learn. It almost certainly involves... Uh, where did I go for my holidays this summer, David? Can you remember? Um, I'm not sure, but it, maybe involved, maybe involved bogeys, I'm not sure. The North Berwick, up in Scotland, they seem to be behaving as if that's where golf was invented. I don't know if that's true, but, but, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah eagles, bogeys, uh, yeah, all right, the origin of golfing language, and remember on this programme, or at least during Mystery you're not allowed to look stuff up. The whole point of it is, uh, is, um, uh, the whole point of it is, is learning, elucidation, not, not reference book so you can't google it you can't open up a, a dictionary or a thesaurus or brewer's dictionary of phrase and fable you can read brewer's dictionary of phrase and fable memorize it and then subsequently use the knowledge that you've gleaned on mystery hour but i have to warn you wayne in basildon is currently trying to close down that avenue in desperate and frankly rather embarrassing pursuit of mystery hour rounds of applause it's twelve fifteen point three. 20 minutes after 12, you're listening to LBC 97.3. Mystery Hour is upon us, our weekly adventure into the unknown with radio's only cast-iron guarantee. By 1 o'clock today, you will know more than you do now. Questions still awaiting answers. The origins of golfing vocabulary. I can't believe we've never done that before, but I'm told we haven't. Eagles, bogeys, albatrosses and the like birdies. Movie credits. 
slightly more esoteric question this one but when you look at a movie poster the director's name is always in a really weird script different from the rest of the poster as if it's been squeezed together and elongated upwards and downwards uh, does anybody know do you know why dolphins and sharks what one has a vertical tail i flap side to side technical term that one wiggles one waggles and the other of course flaps up and down what's better in evolutionary terms or indeed uh, aquadynamic terms and when you see a pub called the something arms the carpenter's arms the fisherman's arms what does arms mean it's a good question though i like it simon's in Hampstead. simon question or answer uh, answer please come on simon um it's to do with dolphins and sharks oh yes well it's a physiology thing to do with breathing so um obviously a, a dolphin and other animals similarly to breach the water to inhale and exhale of course um, and fish stay underwater, and the, the, the sideways motions helps the water to travel through the gills. So because, so because they have to surface, the, the upwards-downwards, the vertical movement is much more evolutionary. Yeah, useful. the breach is reaching. That's so, a very I mean, good answer. Do, but do we know... I mean, I, I hesitate to ask you such a simplistic question, because clearly your academic qualifications are legion, Simon, but <laughs> <laughs> who would win a race? Well, I, this is this is an assumption, but I imagine because a, a dolphin will attack by charging right. um, at sharks and other animals. Really? Um, yeah, they can. They will will will, will hit them and, and, and scare them away. Mm. The, the power nature of a of a dolphin is pretty serious, and a shark um, can often attack by by coming up from under the water. But it goes down quite far to catch maybe like a seal or a small fish on the surface. Um, and builds up a lot of speed, and eventually will breach. I'm sure you've seen those photos. Yes. Of, you know, with the with the shark with the seal in its mouth. Um. So, but I, I, my feeling, my gut feeling, would be that if you were to drag race between a shark and a dolphin <laughs> on the quarter mile, I feel like probably the dolphin would have the best start, <laughs> but the shark might end up, you know, taking him in the end. So the shark is more of an endurance athlete. I'd imagine it's got more talk than it has off the line. <laughs> <laughs> the shark is the Mo Farah of the aquatic world, yeah, and the, yeah, exactly. the dolphin is the Usain Bolt or, yeah, or the, exactly. uh, yeah. Christina I mean, and, and It's extremely powerful, the dolphin, um, because it's basically it's one long muscle, as is the shark, but the shark's a lot more heavier as well. Of course. So. Well, that's a brilliant answer. Uh, really brilliant. What are your qualifications, Simon? Um, uh, studied a few times, never quite sort of completed any studies, but I've, I've always been sort of one of those sort of um, program watchers, that sort of thing. and. I, 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 so I you, well, you went to well. university but didn't finish your degree? Sort of, yeah. That's all right. Don't, 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 um, who needs a degree when you can get a mystery round of applause, Simon? <laughs> Stick with I, also, I also have a feeling about the, the film post. I'm a big film freak. Oh, I, I, the rules are the rules, sadly. And, really? And I, and I, I thought well, you were going to say that. I say sadly. <laughs> I'm, don't, I mean, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. You've earned no. this. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. And I say sadly, because normally I'm very strict on that, but I don't think many people are going to be able to have a crack at that. So, I, I, But anyway, I can't start bending the rules, unless it's to my own advantage. Steve is in Epsom. Steve, question or answer? Oh, afternoon, James. I've got a question. Come on, Steve. Yeah, Bermuda Triangle. Makes people disappear. Yeah. I'd like to know, does it still exist? And if it does, why hasn't anything no, gone no, missing? No, no, you're only allowed one question. Well, it is, isn't it? Sort of no, you're only allowed one question. There's no supplementaries, mate. Oh, okay then. So what is the, right, what, what, what is? What bit can I add then? What? What bit of the question can I add? Well, then? it's up to you. I'll let you choose. What, what what are you asking? Okay. Why doesn't why don't things disappear anymore in the Bermuda Triangle? Damn. I was really hoping you'd go with the first bit because then I could have just said yes and got a round of applause. 
And my brother's not allowed to ring him, by the way, because he's seven and a half, four and a half. No, he's not. He's not. I think, no, Steve, what's your brother's name? Nick. I think we might have to strip Nick of one of his... Oh. Did he, he went for the cats and dogs question last week, didn't he? That's it, that's it, yeah. Didn't he get it right? Didn't we decide in in retrospect that he'd got it wrong? No, 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 you said he got it right. Are you, yeah, I know I said at the time he'd got it right, but didn't it emerge subsequently in the course of the hour that he'd got it wrong? No, you're thinking of the first time. You're thinking of the first who said that... But, um, Hang on, Steve. Let's have a moment. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it still exists, Steve. Oh, oh the pain. The pain. <laughs> still exists. We found it. <laughs> <laughs> Jones has dug it out. He's got it out of his record oh. case. All right. Oh. So you, if you say Nick can keep the other the other round of applause from last yeah, week, yeah, then yeah. I'd, fair enough. But we'll try not to let him on to answer this one. So why don't we hear tales of things disappearing in the Bermuda yeah. Triangle anymore? Or indeed, maybe they are still happening, but we're just not getting the reports. Nice work, Steve. Thank you. James is in Kingston. I, I can't. I feel I should explain the context of some of the conversation that I just had, but I, it'll take all day. You just need to tune in every single day if you want to keep up. James is in Kingston. Question or answer, James? Answer. Come on, then. The golfing terminology. Yes. The, the phrase is uh, Brody Eagle Albatross come from America. There was two professional golfers um, back in the four, 30s or 40s. Yes. And when one of them played a shot, the other one said that was a bird of a shot because it flew from the club to the green. Oh, yeah. And they, used, they started then using the expression. Eagle and Albatross, because they're more rarer, Came into the terminology, but they don't come from Scotland. They're American phrases. Well, you live and learn. What about bogey? Well, I'm not too sure about bogey, but one thing I can say about golf, the music, the tune, Colonel Bogey. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Before, before golfers used to shout, call four, which they do now if you're playing golf. Mm. And the reason four is called is because it's the loudest sound you can exhale from your mouth in one gasp of to shout and make a sound. It's true, that. Before that, they used to go... Ah. And Kenneth J. Oldsford was playing golf. He was um, a major, um, um, director of a band. Hmm. He was playing golf in Scotland, and he heard someone whistle when they hit a shot, and he went on to write the tune Conor Bogey. No. It was written, it was, it was written before in 1911 or 1912. It was a tune before... It was played in the First World War... And then it got adapted to describe Hitler's testicular shortages. Oh, absolutely, shortages. But, but it was written, but it, the, the actual... Stop it, there's dogs all over London going nuts every time you do that, James. <laughs> <laughs> there really is, I always get complaints when I whistle on the radio. Uh, oh, what are your qualifications? I think you've earned a round of applause. I, I um, just happened recently at a car boot to pick up a, a book on sporting terminology, but I used to play golf. Fair enough. Before, um, back in the day before my... Anyway, tragedy. Anyway, th- there we go. Another story for another day. Oh, I'm sorry to hear about that. Do you, do you, so the North Kill... Where did I go for my holidays again? North Berwick has no role whatsoever in, in golfing terminology, vocabulary. They may well have, but the, the birdies, albatrosses and eagles are, are American expressions. James, accept this with my compliments. Thank you very much. No, thank you very much. Uh, first class. First class answer. Peter is in Brixton. Peter, question or answer? Hi, question, James. Yes, um, if you have a projector or a torch mm. and um, you project light onto a flat surface, a wall, building, anything, yeah. um, you can project any colour in the spectrum apart from black. Yes. Why? Well, black's not a colour. 
course it is. No, it's not. White's a colour, but you can project white. Well, arguably, white isn't a colour. White, white is, is a sh- I mean, they're both shades, but black is an absence of light, isn't it? So you can't make the absence of light out of light. Ah, I hadn't thought about it like that. Well, yeah. <laughs> you, you're going to accept that as an answer? Sounds pretty powerful to me. Yes, I will, actually. Thank I think you. you're right. Thank you, Peter. Genius. Mike's in Farnborough. Mike, question or answer? It's a question, James. Go on. James, what, uh, I was watching the weather the other night, and the, the guy said, uh, we, can expect, we can expect some high spring tides. Yes. And I wondered why are they called, because I've heard spring tides before, and I've wondered why are they called spring tides when it's autumn? Or is that nothing to do with the season? Is it to do with the spring or something? I hate I this, because Joe's, Joe's, the engineer gave me the impression this was going to be a really silly question that I would answer really easily and get another round of applause, but it's not. Oh, good, okay. <laughs> James, what were you playing okay. at? Well, you, he says he sort of knows the answer, which, frankly, we've been there before, haven't we, Mike? I'll leave, I'll leave, I'll leave the question on the board. Why is a spring tide called a spring tide when it happens in autumn? I like it. Oh, eight, four, five, six, I don't know why I'm giving out the number. I haven't got any phone lines for you. As soon as I have done, there, there we go. He's gone, of course. We've just said goodbye. Grab that one now. Oh, eight, four, five, six, oh, six, oh, nine, seven, three. I'm James O'Brien. This is LBC 97.3. The time is 12.30. O'Brien. 33 minutes after 12. This is LBC 97.3. Questions still waiting for answers. The the arms on pub signs, I think I missed a trick there. I think it's about guilds, isn't it? It'd be, when you say the fisherman's arms, it will be a coat of arms. It'll be the guild. And, and that's how you would recognise that. I could be wrong. Uh, anyway, uh, if someone knows the answer, ring it in. Movie posters. Why is the director's name in such a weird, elongated script? We've done the origins of... Uh, uh, golfing vocabulary and the spring tide. Why is a spring tide called a spring tide when it doesn't happen in spring? And what is it? Uh, uh, and Bermuda, Bermuda Triangle. Why don't we ever hear about things disappearing in the Bermuda Triangle anymore? Chris is in Charles. Uh, no, hang on. We'll come to you next, Chris. Vic is in. Where are you, Vic? Hello, James. I'm just outside Beaudley. Fantastic. Therefore, I was living in log cabin. That, where, 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 just outside Beaudley, in which direction? Uh, on the 456 going up towards Clare's Top at uh, Tembury Wells Way. So you're near Rock then, are you? Oh, I, mean, I live in Rock. Well, I don't, but you know I'm a Kidderminster boy, don't you? I do know you're the yeah. Kidderminster boy. Have you seen, you know my accent's going to come out four now when I'm talking to <laughs> you. see that? Four quid for a pie from Kidderminster Harriers, Vic. I'll tell you what, mate, you think that's dear. When I went down about 12 years ago to see a league game, took my grandson, it was 13 quid for me to go in then. <laughs> well, and that they weren't mean, in the league. No, <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, we should we should remember that there are some people listening who won't be au fait with the uh, minutiae of Agbara Stadium. But question or answer? Uh, question, please. Go on, mate. Uh, boy, I can just say one thing. It's a lovely, great show, but every day it's like having your mate in the kitchen. I make you a cup of tea and I've got about 60 cups all piled up now. That's about and the nicest... Put a ban on me. That's the nicest compliment you could pay me, but Brilliant. thank you. Uh, what it is, I sit down, watch the old documentaries, love the nature things and all that, all these... And, uh, Suddenly, a, a load of birds take off from a lake. <laughs> they would have us believe, and they'll say, every year, 27 million birds turn off it, well, hold on. <laughs> Is the 27 million people taking one each? <laughs> How do they count? I've no idea. If they do it with wildebeest. <laughs> Who counts? How can they count? 
Talk about Trey. I had a butcher shop for years. Trey's a description of down on me every day. <laughs> 27 million wildebeest will make the annual migration across it, the Serengeti. And not one falls over, so it's 26 million, 999. <laughs> no, now you're being silly. But no, the, well, the, the, the ballpark estimate for the number of, of, of animals or birds involved in a... In an annual migration, how do they know? How do they actually know? That's a great... Where was your butcher's shop? It was on Clare's Top. Oh, okay. There was a butcher's shop, village or post office, and it was wonderful. I lived just two or three more down the road, as you know. Almost certainly served my mum. Oh, bless her. I look forward to the next conversation, and I'll take two sugars, if that's all right with you. All the others are no good then. No, I'm afraid not. I don't drink them cold. My day you go. It's 12.36. Forgive a little bit of uh, indulgence in my hometown enthusiasms there. Uh, Chris is in Chelsea. Chris, question or answer? I've got an answer for you, James. Come I on. might well get caught. I'm just about to go for the Holmesdale Tunnel on the M25. Get on with I'll be it. Quick. I'll be quick. I'll be quick. Bermuda Triangle. The reason ships sink and aircraft fall out of the skies is due to methane gas being released from the seabed. It destabilises the buoyancy in the water, takes the oxygen out of the air and stalls aircraft engines. Basically, the activity on the seabed has stopped, so it's not happening anymore. So all the methane has gone? Yeah, massive releases of methane gas. If you try and put a boat in in water full of gas, it will sink. Great answer. So so the triangle itself is still there, but the phenomenon has has expired with the gas. Yeah, but the phenomenon, the natural geographical phenomenon, is just not happening. All the gas has been released. Qualifications, Chris? Qualifications? Watch a lot of Discovery Channel. I'd wish it was more elaborate. No, that's absolutely fine. Just goes to show that television doesn't rot your brain. It broadens your horizons. It's earned you a mystery round of applause. And that uh, that little phrase there, massive, massive, massive outpourings of methane gas. I don't know about you, but it just made Christmas feel a little bit closer to me. Jason is in Farrington. Jason, what would you like to say? It's a answer. Come on, Jason. Um, to the film. Yeah. Um, Billing is called. Basically, billing is. No, no. Hang on. I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not jumping on you. We're not talking about the size of the of the of the names of the actors and the people, which is contractually. It's it's why the director in particular has that weird elongated script. Yeah, it's because the the say for instance, the film's called O'Brien Films. Like that. That that um that is what we call the title treatment and. Yeah. And it has to be a certain percentage of the cap height. Has to be a certain percentage of the cap height yeah. of the um, director's name. Got you. Um, and that font lends itself to, to getting so more can, to getting high letters. Yeah. In a small sideways space. That's correct. Yeah, you're right. Well, I, I mean, you must be right. It makes perfect it, sense. And you used phrases that suggest you have a certain knowledge of the uh, genre. Helps. Yeah. What are your qualifications? Um, I'm a graphic designer. And you've done for a film agency. Oh, really? So you design film posters? I do, yeah. Yeah. I mean, as qualifications go, Jason, it's hard to imagine anyone being better qualified than you to answer a question about the graphic design of film posters. What with yeah. you being a graphic designer who designs film posters? Yeah. Well, that's uh, what you, what's, what's your what's your uh, motto? If you build it, they will come. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what have you done recently? Anything we'll have seen? Um, well, I'm working on Alex Cross at the minute. What's that? It's, it was a book, yeah. which they're turning into a film. Cool. Um, How does it work then? Do you, do, you, do you watch the film before you do the pod? Do you see the rushes, or do you? I mean, will you have read the book? Yeah, we go to the screenings, but the screenings are only like about two weeks before. So you've got to turn it around quite quickly, have you? Or? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes, but sometimes we, we just work from stills and. 
<clears throat> things that are just the synopsis of the film. Of course, yeah. You just yeah. Gotta, you've got to work it out. What's your favourite yeah. film poster of all time? Uh, probably Train Spotting. It's a pretty good poster, actually. Yeah, I've got yeah, If on my. Have you, have you seen the If poster for the Lindsay Anderson film from the sixties? Yeah, I've, yeah. I've got that on my kitchen wall, but I could only oh, get no. I could only get an Italian one of it. So it's actually called Se. It's not called if, but it's a. Yeah, I love. I love what you do. It's fast. I mean, I could talk to you all day, but I suspect all the other people waiting to join in on Miss J would feel a little bit perturbed. Danielle has been in touch to say, "Did you used to talk like Vic, who rang it? I never had a st- strong kid of Mister accent, no. Um, but it does. It does warm the cockle of my heart." Uh, Lee's in Dartford. Lee, question or answer? Uh, question, please, James. Come on, Lee. My daughter came home from school yesterday. She had a science lesson. Hmm. She's eleven, and uh, she was doing space. And they were talking about, you know how um, all radio broadcasts and TV programmes, afterwards they eventually get beamed out into space. Yeah. Do they? She wanted... To, yeah. Because yeah, the waves, radio the waves are just, the radio, just yeah. carry on in, indefinite, yeah. That's it. So right. if there is an alien race out there, they will pick it up and hear it. That's what they Or say. watch it. Yeah. Apparently. Yeah. She wanted to know how far they go and do they degrade? They must degrade because you can't pick up LBC and Kidderminster. I'm sorry to go on about Kidderminster. It's a recurring theme in today's program, but my mum can't pick us up on FM. So, you, I mean, you know, when you get out past Watford, sometimes you lose our signal on FM. So they must degrade, mustn't they? Well, if you lose it that quickly, how do they get into space? Well, I don't know. That's why I asked, were you sure that they go into space? Yeah, definitely. All right. So they must... Uh, how can they degrade if someone can hear it? Exactly. And how far would they go? Mm, I like it. I mean, really, there should be someone in the building who can answer that question. They talk about stuff I don't understand all that lot, but I, I, I don't know if they're allowed to ring in. Lee, you're on. You're on. Uh, Springtide, and how do they estimate? And when you're watching a wildlife program, how do they know that there's 27 million flamingos on that lake? Oh eight four five six oh six oh nine seven three. Remember, I only say the number when I've got a phone line free. Uh, and how far out into space do radio waves actually travel? And if you're listening to this in space, hello, we come in peace. Paul's in Hyde Park. Paul, question or answer? Hello, James. Hello, Paul. Uh, I'm a big fan. You're very kind. <laughs> Thank you. It's uh, an answer about the spring tide. Oh, good. Um, the spring tide is not just actually in the autumn. It, it happens monthly, every time after a full moon. Uh, so you'll get a spring tide, and then when there's no moon at all, you'll get a neat tide. The, the spring tide is the the uh, highest tide that it can actually be. So, that, so it refers time. to forward momentum, like springing or biggest. I think so. I think it has nothing to do with, with the, uh, season. the season. Well, it can't do because it happens every yeah. month. <laughs> yeah. How do you know this qualifications? I used to live on a boat. Did you really? Yeah, about 20 years ago. Cool. So tides are very important. You know when you see boats that are b- moored uh, on, the, on the riverside, I'm thinking of the Thames in particular, and then when the tide goes out, they, they look really wonky. <laughs> how, how does that work? Is that because they're sitting on the mud? Yeah. I, so they oh, look I flat. I mean, they're horizontal when the, water, when the tide is in, but when the tide has gone out, particularly around Brentford, I notice some of those boats are really lopsided when the tide's gone out. I think it depends on the, the keel that they have. If they have a flat keel, they'll sit nice and slightly. If they have a, a fin, then they'll lean on their sides. So, so you could have days, you could have parts of the day where you are walking around. I mean, you'd need to keep your cupboards closed and everything, and, and if you put an orange on the kitchen table, it would roll off. Exactly, and if you, if you get your tides 
wrong, which I have done. Yes. It's uh, quite embarrassing. You spend the next six hours waiting for the tide to come back in on your side. So. <laughs> well, you know, on the one hand, there is that embarrassment. On the other, there is the pride that the knowledge earned you this, Paul. You're very welcome. Thank you. David's in New Malden. David, question or answer? Uh, answer. Come on, then. Pubs. Um, it, I think it goes more back traditionally to the fact that they were generally named like King's Arms, Queen's Arms, so it's coat of arms. But what would the carp... I mean, the question was what... Specifically, I understand what the Queen's Arms or the King's Arms were, but the question is specifically said, what about the Fisherman's Arms or the Carpenter's Arms or something yeah, like that? I think that? It'd, there'd be some kind of guild or... Yeah, I, right. I think it'd be a more modern one as well, possibly, where they just wanted to push the name up a bit. Then there might be that, but, a re I mean, to go back in time when people couldn't read and write and they'd recognise a pub by the pictogram outside, they'd be familiar with the guild sign, and all professions had guilds back in the day, the butcher's arms, the carpenter's arms, the fisherman's arms, and, and yeah. that, that is, I'm almost certain that is the answer. Qualifications? Uh, they would be mostly called King's Arms, Queen's Arms, and then... Because they were even easier, because they were even easier to recognise, or the Duke of Marlborough. Yeah. But what are your qualifications? Um, I drink in pubs. Good man. <laughs> I say good man, uh, quite genuinely, actually. Pubs are closing at a rate of knots, and, uh, and it's easy to understand why. And I don't drink in pubs on anything like the scale that I used to do, but they, uh, they will be sorely missed, and by the time we notice that they've gone, it'll be too late. It's 12.45. J. Louise Knight is in the LBC 97.3 Travel Centre. Thank you, James. Delays on the M20. James O'Brien. 12.48, this is LBC 97.3. I'm going to do, can we do a little sort of uh, grab of the of the theme tune that Chris wrote for us? I'm getting a lot of requests, so I can tweet it, can't I, as a sound file, and then you can, well, that, we can do that, we'll do that. You've got to follow me on Twitter, though, at Mr. James OB, if you want to get your own. You could have it as a ringtone, then. Oh, but I, I'm going to do, I'm going to have a ringtone of Mystery Hour. Oh, get in. And yes, I am 40. Colin is in Kingston. Colin, question or answer? Uh, question, please, James. Go on, Colin. I was in the bath with my kids the other day, and my daughter said, can you make water? And I didn't know the answer, and I said, I know a man who might know, so <laughs> I thought I'd bring you. Yeah, well, I mean, how much of an answer do you want? Cause I, I, mean, I, I know there's water in the air and, you know, moisture and stuff like that, but, you know, can it be created yeah. from various elements? Yeah, I mean, it, it, you just need hydrogen and oxygen, or, or any chemical reaction that, that yeah, I mean, there are chemical reactions that yield water, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but yes, is the answer, I, but I don't know if your daughter's anything like mine, that won't be enough. Just no, to say no, yes. Like she wants to know the chemical names. <laughs> well, you know the chemical name is H2O, so you, I mean, you need two hydrogen atoms and one oxygen atom, but how, I mean, if you've got, if you, I, I think if you've got a, a canister of hydrogen and you opened it, it would bond with the oxygen in the air and, and you'd get water droplets. Good, right. luck, good luck with that, by the way. Yeah, yeah, I'll explain don't, that don't to her and get don't. back to you. <laughs> How old is she? Uh, 28. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be ridiculous, all right? No, she's five. <laughs> so we need someone who can explain how to make water to a five-year-old. Exactly, yeah. Well, we've, got, we've got nine minutes to do it. So I, I, if you build it, they will come. As uh, a, what was his, it was a nice fellow who re reminded me of the show's own motto. 0845 6060973. Explain to a five-year-old how to make water, okay? And don't do any wee-wee jokes, all right? Because I've already thought of them and dismissed them as being in poor taste. Evan's in the West End. Ed, Evan, question or answer? Hi, it's a question. It's Aaron, actually, and I'm from Bromley, but I'm in the West End at the moment. Well, I'm glad we've cleared that up, Aaron. But obviously, originally from Yorkshire, you can tell by my accent. Whereabouts in Yorkshire? Leeds, not far from where your dad... Well, there you go, eh? There small go, world small today. World. Small world. Aaron, what's the question? 
Right, I was in the Crystal Palace Park the other day with my four-year-old daughter, Darcy, uh, in the maze, the new maze that they've got in there. Oh, yeah. We went up to see, yeah, yeah. It's beautiful. You should go there. I will. And we went up to see the ruins, you know, where the Crystal Palace, the big exhibition was, what yes. got burned down years the, ago. The palace itself. Yeah, well, they've got the footings there, haven't they, in the That's park. That's right, Because yes. it was made of metal and glass, so there's a, it is only the footings that are left. Exactly. And she turned around to me and she says, what was Crystal Palace called before the exhibition was here? Clever girl. Yeah, she's my daughter. <laughs> that, yeah, I mean, clearly, the, the, the whole area is named after the building that was erected for the exhibition in, it was, what was it, Victorian, 19th century. Exactly, and I, could, I didn't have an answer for her. No, that's a really, really nice London question. Hopefully, we'll, we'll, it's a little late in the day, but that doesn't mean we won't get it. Oh, eight four five. if you know the answer to that or to the water question, we're still looking for answers to uh, Vic's question about how on earth on wildlife programmes they can make a valid estimate of how many animals or birds are involved in an annual migration. When he said 27 million birds have taken off from that lake or, or 27 million antelope will be crossing the Serengeti during their annual vi- migration, how do they know that? How far into space do radio waves go? And do they dissipate or, or deteriorate as they go? How do you make water? You have to explain it to a five-year-old. And what was Crystal Palace called before they built the Crystal Palace? Ben's in Catford. Ben, question or answer? You're right, James. Question. Go on. Um, why is the sea salty when all the rivers are fresh and run to the sea? You... I mean, there's two ways into this question. Are you confused as to why the salt hasn't gone backwards up the rivers? Yeah, well, why, why, why is everything that's fresh runs to the sea in, in the in the rivers that are fresh? So why isn't the salt in the rivers that are fresh that runs? To there, the sea? Well, there was once, but it's, all the salt has ended up in the seas. You see. So why has it gone like become like that? The, because all the salt is in the sea. So all the salt yeah, would have been in rocks. Because it would have been in rocks, but the water has taken it out of the rocks and taken it all down to the sea where it stayed, and it can't come back up because the fresh water is coming out of the sky. The, the simple answer to your question is that when water evaporates out of the sea, the salt stays in the sea. Oh. You see what I mean? Okay, so, yeah. so, then, so then as the sea heats up and the water goes back into the sky and comes back down as rain, the salt stays behind. So over thousands and thousands of years, any salt on the planet has been washed into the sea, and then when it goes back up into the sky to come back around the cycle as rainfall, rainfall into the lakes, into the reservoirs, into the streams, into the rivers, the salt doesn't evaporate, so the salt stays where the water ended up the first time. Oh. All right. So that's my question, then. Yeah. You sound surprised that I've managed to do it myself, Ben. You clearly underestimate my epic well, intelligence. I've asked, I've asked everyone, and no one seemed to be able to answer the question. Yeah, you never so, asked me, did you? Well, I have today, haven't I? And yeah. I've earned myself you've this. You've answered it for me. And that is a little lesson for us all there. I'm sure that's on the Mystery Hour archive, which is how I know it. And then the question of why the sea water, the salt, doesn't sort of back, back up the river, that's sort of something to do with... Osmosis. Anwar's on the M40. Anwar, question or answer? Uh, I've got an answer for you, James. Good man. Uh, it's about the migration, uh, calculating the numbers. Yes. Uh, uh, the principle is basically on uh, basically uh, on uh, population density. By let's say uh, the wildebeest cover a 30 square mile area. If we know how many there are in one square mile, we can multiply that up to see how many there are in total. Oh, of course, yes. Uh, so, I mean, a bit, a bit like... It's an any... estimation, but it's a fair one. No, of course. So you would look at a, 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 a small percentile and multiply it according to the total acreage. 
exactly. For example, yeah. Qualifications? Um, I'm an engineer, but I love science. That'll do. And it's earned you this. <laughs> Ken's in Hearn Hill. Ken, question or answer? It's an answer, sir. How are you doing? Very well, Ken. What have you got? Good. On the uh, radio waves. Yes. Okay, it does dissipate, and um, signal can only travel as far as you can pump out the amount of watts it goes. So if you wanted to bounce on, off the moon, you'd have to put a lot of power. And that's why your aren't you sitting kidding Mr. Khan here? Yeah, mummy, no my mum, my mum. There's no transponders to absorb the energy, like transmitting and receiving. So, so oh, okay, oh, okay. So the waves are still going to be there, but they haven't got a transmitter that picks them up and pumps them out again. Correct. And that means so, that if a, so, an alien would need to have a responder. Correct, in order for it to understand what's coming through. But it could get there. If you put enough power, it would get close, but then it just idles. How far out does it, would it go with current power levels? Well, they've tried it with some uh, very far distant planets, and it's taken a long time for it to come back, because obviously it has to bounce off something. To, but yeah. you, you, need a lo- you need a lot of power, a Qual- lot, huge amount, megawatts. Qualifi- mega, megawatts. Qualifications, Ken? I used to be a sound engineer many years ago. Cool. I, I, I think, I mean, it's, it's not the answer that we wanted, but there was a presumption in the question that was false. Yeah. Let's earn you this. Right. <laughs> Great work. Christine's in Lewisham. Christine, question or answer? Uh, answer. Come on then. Um, Crystal Palace uh, was known as Norwood. But Norwood's still there, isn't it? Uh, we have a West Norwood and an Upper Norwood, um, and they did try to rebrand Crystal Palace as um, Norwood Heights a while back, Who? but it didn't no, take when, off. Yeah, I bet that was an estate <laughs> agent, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah probably. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yes, it, it was known as Norwood beforehand. Is that right? Yeah. That makes sense to me. As someone that suggested Upper Sydenham, but that's just silly. No. Yeah. Isn't it? Because you've, yes. no, you've got all the other Norwoods, but you haven't got the Norwood Norwood. Norwood Normal. Yes. Normal Norwood, yes. as it were. <laughs> exactly. Well, I'll tell you what. What are your qualifications? Uh, I live in Crystal Palace. No, you don't. You live in Norwood. <laughs> <laughs> give, give her a round of applause. Good work. Thank oh, I, you. Like, I like that a lot. Crystal Palace sounds much nicer than Norwood, doesn't it? Christine, if you... If you, if you oh, hang on. We've got to squeeze in Jeff, because we're going for a full board. Oh, my God, Jeff, if you get this right, we've done every single question. What have you got? Um, how do you create high, uh, water? Yeah. Uh, burn hydrogen in in the air and it combines with oxygen and creates water. There you go. Well, you could burn any hydrocarbon, couldn't you? And then you'd get water, energy, and oxygen. Yeah, as long as there's hydrogen combining with oxygen. And uh, second, uh, carbon dioxide. You get if you burn a hydrocarbon, you get carbon dioxide, energy, and H two O and water. Yeah, and the other one about the uh, uh, radio signals going out. I think, I think we've done that. I just want to get Max and Ealing on, because, again, to explain to a five-year-old, Max, how can we make water? Oh, hi, James. Hello, mate. Um, the easiest way to explain that is the product of every combustion, com- complete combustion, would be water and carbon dioxide. So, so out of the exhaust pipe of a car, you're getting water? Yes. Of course you are. Induction, compression, are. power, exhaust. Induction, compression, power, exhaust. Exactly. Lions and tigers and bears. Lions and tigers and bears. Uh, <laughs> qualifications, Max? Um, I studied chemistry, physics, and I'm a gas engineer. Right, now you can't say fairer than that. Jeff, what are your qualifications? I think Jeff has hung up in disgust that we went to Max for it. There you go. It means Max gets the round of applause all to himself. Max, great work, my friend. 
And another mystery hour comes to a shuddering... We do every single quote. That is beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Not only that, but we made contact with Kidderminster, which gives me more joy than the thought of these radio waves reaching Saturn. That's it from me for another day. We'll do it again tomorrow from 10. I am James O'Brien, and here is Petrie Hoskin. Indeed. What a surprise. Hello, James. Good to see you. Right, coming up with me...